Howdy, 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 everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sports Wrap here on 90.5 WASU-FM. I'm Ben Cole in the George G. Beasley Media Complex, joined with a new squad tonight, I believe. Got Matthew Schweikert here, Chris Affolder, and Jeffrey Marson to talk about everything sports. More specifically, guys, this weekend, obviously, the App State Mountaineers traveled to Miami to take on the Hurricanes and yet another big Power 5 matchup for this team and university. And, well, it was a disappointing result. Um, it was 25-23. App fell to Miami. Uh, I was there at the game. It was an electric experience. Um, it was awesome being in that stadium. Hard Rock is a great place to play, but yeah, it was it was a tough walk out of that stadium that night. I am not going to lie. Uh, I assume you guys watched the game. Um, oh, yeah. We'll just jump right into it, I guess. Uh, just real quick, for those of you listening, obviously, if you're an App State fan, you know we have had a tough history with Power 5 opponents. Um, in the past few seasons, it's been better. We beat UNC in Chapel Hill, and we beat South Carolina uh, in Columbia. So those are two big wins. But, I mean, man, Penn State, Tennessee, Miami twice now, Wake Forest. There have been so many daggers in this, just the heart of this team. Um, it's just tough to see another L. But general takeaways from the game, guys? Well, I have a, ni- <clears throat> a nice long laundry list of, of things we both did well and bad. Here, I'll, I'll even show it to you guys. Oh, it's, boy, he's got the chart. Oh, yeah. He's got a table I pulled made, up here. I made an entire chart of good things and bad things, but um, talking about uh, games from the past, I even look back. The problem is playing these ranked Power 5 teams. Lost that Tennessee game. I don't know if you mentioned it. But they were number nine at the time, lost that game in overtime, blew a 10-point lead. Yep. Lost on the road to number 10, Penn State, in overtime. Blew that one, too. <clears throat> yep. Mm-hmm. I got I a note here. Game. We led by a touchdown with a minute 47 <laughs> left. And then, of course, this past game where, I mean, it really could have gone either way, but I felt like we were in control. So uh, another another disappointment and in in an opportunity to have a program-defining win. It was it was pretty frustrating, to, to be honest. Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest problems was red zone defense in that game. Uh, Miami went four for five and scored 20 points in the red zone, and if we could have just stopped one, even one more of those chances or even that bad long snap could have gone the other way, could have recovered that fumble or something, then that game could have just as easily been an App State W. Maybe this is just me trying to be optimistic, but I actually left that game kind of encouraged. Like, if you look at that game, you know, you take any one of the many unforced errors we had, clean that up, and we win that game easily. You know, if Chase Bryce hits some of the throws that he left out there, if we don't have the safety, you know, if we don't have some of the penalties we took, like, we win that game and we win it comfortably. So for me, like, yeah, it stinks not being able to get another Power 5 win, but, you know, if we're being honest here... We probably weren't going to be in contention for the New Year Six anyway, just because of the mere existence of Cincinnati. Um, so you know, it incur- it, I'm encouraged going into Sunbelt play because if we clean up any of that stuff, I really, really like our chances now against Coastal and Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I'm back to being a little bit more lukewarm on Chase Bryce now because, like I said, he left a lot of throws out there. But yeah, I mean, I was I was actually pretty encouraged. Like this defense. Even though they they struggled a little bit in the red zone, they also held them to a couple of field goals in the red zone. Yeah. So like th- this defense is really really good. Like this has a chance to be one of the best 
defenses this program has ever put up. So, yeah, it stinks not go, not walking out of there with a win, but I was I was pretty encouraged by what I saw. I think I think all of those are fair. I would definitely be more optimistic looking ahead at the rest of our schedule after that game, but it just I can't help but just be in pain because yeah, we there's no excuse for us not winning this game. I mean, you said it. Uh, Chris, you made a great point about red zone defense. And also, big note, one of those comes off of an interception. Granted, it was unlucky, but an interception on our own five-yard line. Can't be doing that. It's a free touchdown. Uh, the safety, yeah, the special teams, so crucial. And, you know, we got one back on the kick return, but still, doesn't matter when you're just giving them free two points and another free possession. Uh, missed throws. The big one that really comes to my mind is the one where – you know, ended up being a completion anyways, but it was still, in my opinion, the biggest overthrow. Henry Pearson, yep. and he was wide open for a touchdown. Say, wide open for a touchdown, in, yeah. and we ended up only getting a field goal on that drive. Couldn't punch it in from the 8-yard line or something of Miami. I think he uh, missed Mike Evans a player too later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, super seniors dropping you know, passes right in the chest on the last drive. Sorry, Jeff, yeah, I can tell no, you're itching. Because no, <laughs> you're pretty much going down my, my laundry list of, of bad things. Because here I have, like, uh, possible points we left up on the board and ones that we gave up. Of course, an interception inside your own five-yard line, like you said, that's a free touchdown. There's seven points. Snap over the punter's head, two points. That's <laughs> something that should be, like, easily... You know, fixable, but still. and the safety right there is the margin of victory. Like exactly. that's like that was literally the game right yeah. there. Oh, I am, I am not done. <laughs> um, we had a minute and a half left at the end of the first half. We got to the forty with still thirty seconds left and a timeout. So there's a possible. I mean, we could probably get a field goal out of that and, drive. And, and real quick, yeah, I'm not trying to interrupt your laundryist, but that yeah. really just had me. Boggled. I was like, mm-hmm. why call a timeout yeah. on defense to stop the clock if you are planning on not being yeah. aggressive with a minute to have to go? Yeah, yeah, and it's not like I understand it's one of those we'll see how the first play goes. You know, if we try to run it up the middle and we get stopped for. It was an eight yard run. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We get an eight yard run on first down, then we still try to run a play. And we take about 30 seconds and get another 10 yards, and I'm just like, I'm lost. Why? And we were running the ball. Really, and we had really timeouts. Like, yeah. It's not even that he had to take a, like, we had to take a deep shot. We were in position. Like, just give Cam Peoples the ball a couple more times, and we're on the edge of field goal range. And that's like, a, I don't, I, <laughs> yeah, I, that made me, that was probably the angriest I was at any point in the game, because it literally made, it made no sense. It made no sense. Not to mention, I mean, we saw the ECU game with that crazy Hail Mary at the end of the half. I don't see why there's no reason, even if we're running it down at the very end and we're trying not to get a field goal, 10 seconds left, just we're at the 45-yard line, just take a snap. You really don't trust our offensive really? line to protect them for like take a five time- seconds? Take a timeout with one second left yeah. and throw a Hail Mary. Yeah. Like, I don't know why he thought... like. I didn't why understand the logic sa- why either. Why are you saving timeouts? It's not like you get right. extra ones in the second half. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I, it's not like meal plan money doesn't roll over. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it, I mean, yeah I'm, I'm with you on that one, Ben. That made, that made no sense I mean, to what me. What are the odds they take a, a Hail Mary back for a touchdown? Exactly. Like, but anyway, sorry yeah. to interrupt yeah. you. Yeah, to continue, that drive with Henry Pearson, the bad <laughs> throw should have been, you know, it should have been a touchdown. Extra point, that's four points left on the board. We had three plays from the five-yard line. It was a run for no gain. It was the missed touchdown throw to Mike Evans, like you said. And then we ran some end around for no gain, and we ended up kicking a field goal. That that was that was bad play calling and just bad offense overall. And of course, the last two points that we left on the board. I mean, we need to take every play seriously. I don't. We fumbled the two point conversion snap. I'm, yeah. 
Yeah. It's little little things like that is is the difference between winning and losing. And I actually we had so think, many of those. I actually didn't see that. I was uh, using the bathroom yeah. during that two point conversion. <laughs> I saw our touchdown and I was like, all right, I got, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to explode. College college football uh, bathroom line. But wow, else. I did not realize we didn't even like give ourselves yeah. a chance to yeah. convert that. Yeah. That, so there's six, nine, um, eleven. Uh, that's about 18 points we left on the board. Yeah. It, or gave up. There were definitely times in this game where it felt like last year. Yeah. Like, there were times where the play calling got predictable. The execution was off. We had upperclassmen making uncharacteristic mistakes. Like, after the ECU game, I thought, okay, last year was just a bad dream. The App State team that we know and love is back. But it kind of felt like they were slipping into some, some old habits right. Saturday night. So even though I was encouraged overall... There were some things that that made me worry. I do think that one thing that uh, we are doing well is we're utilizing our running backs pretty well. Uh, Just looking at the numbers, uh, both Nate Noel and Cameron Peoples are averaging close to 100 all-purpose yards per game, and Cameron Peoples has three touchdowns. I do want to say that's one of the notes I have under bad, actually. This system has to change, I think, because in in that game and in the previous game, I think we've had... Well, at least in this past game, we got zero points on the drives where Nate Noel was playing in the game. And then Peoples only had 17 carries. I think he's good enough. He should be getting yeah. at least 25. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think Cam Peoples is like your 25 carries a game. Like Yeah, he's your workhorse primary back. guy. Like, yeah. Nate Noel's a guy I think is Nate Noel's a better receiver probably. Probably your third down back, kind of like say, a screen I, pass kind of guy. I think he's the guy you bring in. For, I mean, because we love name a more iconic duo than App State and screen passes. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, So yeah, Nate Noel's a good guy to bring in for screen passes, but also it's I've also been kind of baffled by the fact that we haven't seen the other running backs. Like, that We're really deep at running backs, so I'm kind of surprised. And Nate Noel was Well, I know not, Daytrick is injured. Yeah, I know Daytrick Carrington's sure. injured, but um, the guy we brought in from Notre Dame. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen him or any of the other running backs, because Nate Noel was not doing much running the football Saturday. Yeah, and Peoples was, yeah, to my point, he has a better running back. He had a better yards per carry in both games, not both games, but in this past game against the, the stronger defense. Not to mention, and to mention, he's a better decoy than Nate Noel because on, uh, on the touchdown plays, or the Malik Williams deep ball, it was a play action to Cameron Peoples. They were ready for the run. The touchdown play on that same drive was also a play action to Cam Peoples, which, you know, Miami's, they're, they're scared of him because he just gashed them early in the game. It's a play action to him. We got an easy touchdown. So, I mean, Cam Peoples just gives so much more value. I love I love Noel. He's a great player. You know, he has his situations where he needs to be in the game, but Cam Peoples needs to, yeah. he needs to be in the game yeah. far the, more often. The one thing I will say real quick in defense of the coaches is Cam Peoples does have a history of health problems. Right. So I, so I kind of understand they don't want to, especially in a non-conference game, like, I think when we when we get to like coastal Louisiana, he needs to be touching the ball twenty five times, twenty five thirty times. Yeah, even. in in those games, like this is a but, game I thought that they they should right. have given him. But the ball. but this is, this is but a in, big game. Yeah, right. but in defense of the coaches, when you're that deep at running back and you have a guy who has a, a history, especially of knee problems, I understand not wanting to you know give him the Christian McCaffrey workload. Right. 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 Yeah. That, I, fair points all around. Makes sense. I agree. With you, Jeff. Uh, I was thinking about that too. I even saw on Twitter a lot of uh, App State supporters were wondering why Peoples didn't get more touches because it was pretty evident he was, you know, doing most of the work and getting most of the production in that game. Also, fair point knee injuries, not something to mess around with. Sensitive area. And, you know, overworking a guy can really 
mess up the rest of your season if you're not careful. Yeah, especially this early in the season. Yeah, you right. definitely don't want Cam Peebles going down week two. And then, like you said, Matt, we don't have him for those big games like Coastal and everything. Uh, other than that, I mean, things to work on looking ahead just from this game. Uh, I mean, what do we need? To, what do we need to fix? Chase Bryce has got to be more accurate. Like, I think that's. I think the, that's fair. I yeah. think I think that's the number one thing. Like, if I could pick one thing from that game to fix, it would be his accuracy. Because like the bad snap for the safety, that's not going to happen every game. No, it's S- not. Especially with the number of upperclassmen we have on this team. Like, that's something that happens once or twice a season. So I'm not really worried about that being a recurring issue. Um, Nate Noel will do better against teams where our offensive line matches up a little bit better. Because, uh, like, Miami did have – Miami had a very athletic, very physical defense. So I kind of understand those struggles a little bit. But, yeah, Chase Bryce, has, he's got to be more accurate. You know, he – there were a, there were a couple of incompletions he had where Bubba Bolden came in and some of those other Miami defensive backs came in and made a nice play. But he – I mean, we've talked about it a lot already. Like, he left a lot of throws out there, and he's got to be more accurate. Yeah, fifth year, grad transfer. Right. Know, there's just no if, excuse. If we're going right. to beat Co- – I mean, we saw a quarterback play lost us the game against Coastal last year. Big time. We have to have better quarterback play, and he has to hit those throws. Yeah, so uh, that's on the offensive side. On the defensive side, I'm going to reiterate the need for stronger red zone defense because overall we've our opponents are 6-7 for seven in the red zone, so obviously you need to be tighter in your own end, and you're not going to win football games giving up 20 points a game in the red zone. Well, defensively, we we did look pretty <clears throat> pretty sound. Um, we did give up a couple of, of big pass plays, which you know are going to happen against teams like Miami. But um, going forward, Schweikert hit it on the head. It's it's all down to quarterback play. I said it, you know, going into the season, he's going to be our X factor every single game because you know his inconsistency is there. Um, the defense, like I said, looked fantastic. It, it didn't seem like we missed a tackle the entire night. Like everyone, everyone on defense is playing well. I got my my three defensive MVPs right here. Demarco Jackson, he's phenomenal again. He had ten tackles, had a pass deflection, and uh, a tackle and a half for loss. TD Roof coming off the bench. He's not normally a a guy who plays in there. Had uh, two sacks in this game, and uh, Caleb Sperlin, who was responsible for spying Dr. King. I thought he did a great job when he was assigned that. And, of course, he blocked that kick. So, you know, there's things that we did well, I think. But um, going forward, like I said, quarterback play, it's all its all on that. I agree with you. The, it's just so many little things. You even There's just so many thoughts on my head. Like you mentioned Caleb Sperlin. And it's like, yeah, he, he had a great job uh, blocking that one kick and uh, spying Derek King. But also, I mean, that personal foul. Right. And was that was just, two plays before the uh, block kick. Yeah. yeah. That was the and, whole reason they were able to attempt it. Yeah. 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 And... Uh, Quarterback play could not agree more. Obviously, there's no excuse for a fifth-year grad transfer from ACC schools to be overthrowing guys like that, and not, and not even just overthrowing. I feel like he overcompensated. Do you remember the deep uh, post route? Uh, I believe it was Sutton ran, and it, he just didn't even have a chance. It almost got intercepted because it was underthrown, and it's like can't be making those throws. Um, yeah, capitalizing on opportunities, defense. I agree with you, Chris. Uh, one of my biggest things was there were a lot of plays that looked like we were just giving them the sticks. I mean, our secondary was just giving them like these eight-yard curl routes 
for free. And it's like, we can't do that against Miami. We cannot let them march down the field. And I noticed that especially on their last drive. It was too easy. It was like Penn State when we were up a touchdown with a minute and a half. It's too easy. You cannot... Be conservative on defense. Yeah, if you're, you're going to bend, you can't break. At yeah, the end well, of the drive. Although, well, I will say, like they did do a pretty good job of bending and not breaking for most of the night. Because, like, field yeah, you goal, said field goals like, are way better. Like than you said, like yeah, you said, true. our you said our opponents are six for seven in the red zone. That's, but a lot of those are. Field I was going to say that's yeah. being a little bit dishonest because once you're in the red zone, holding them to a field goal is a win. You're right. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you, Ben. Like there were times it kind of felt like we were so worried about Derek King getting outside the pocket and running, we forgot to we like we forgot about coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you that like I do think on the whole the defense played really really well because holding Miami to what was it twenty five points twenty five points whatever um, that's really good because that that is an offense that is very dynamic when it's clicking. Um, you know, I, I feel like we kind of. I feel like we kind of undersold Miami after how bad they looked against Alabama because we forgot that everybody looks that bad against Alabama. Mm-hmm. So, like, Miami's, I think, is a legit good team. I th- think they're still probably the third or fourth best team in the ACC. So, I mean, it was a pretty good performance. But, yeah, like like Ben said, a lot of li- just a lot of little things that added up. It was death by a thousand paper cuts. And a, a couple more things. Um, knowing your personnel is pretty important. I felt like we were throwing it way too much at uh, Tyreek Stevenson, who was their number one corner from Georgia, and he was he was dominating our receivers, if you want me to be honest. And we just kept throwing at him, kept throwing at him, especially on the critical plays at the end of the game where we tried to get it to Corey Sutton, but he's you know he's getting locked up by Tyreek Stevenson. And uh, the last thing, um, it's, it's just a huge deal. We got dominated in field position. I mean, Lou Headley, the yeah. punter for Miami, he's the best best punter in the country. Um, he pinned us deep so many times. Our best starting field position guys, our own 31-yard line, was the, our best yeah. starting field position on a drive. And that was when the play calling got predictable because it was like, oh, was... we're pinned in our own deeps. So, all right, uh, we're pinned deep yeah. in, our own end, on our, bleh, in our own end. I promise I can talk. Uh, <laughs> so we're just going to run the ball up the middle three times. Right? <laughs> yep. And then waste of a drive. <laughs> what and was what was their best starting field position? Do you have that? I do not have that. What was it like? Our seven yard line, or something? <laughs> whatever. It was, I mean, whatever it was after yeah. the interception. Oh, well, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly. That's right. true. But there is also another little thing that comes to mind. The last drive. I don't know if this is play calling, Chase Bryce just not being aware, but it was the fourth down. We didn't even throw the ball to the sticks. Yeah, Obviously, it didn't matter. Down. But like, didn't even list too, Jeff? throw yep. it to the sticks. Yeah. I I remember that just had me baffled. I was like, I mean, okay, it doesn't matter. It wasn't never was going to get completed anyways. But what are you doing? It's fourth and like eight, and we're not throwing the ball beyond the first down. <laughs> it reminded me of that that play in that one Panthers game last year where it was like fourth and eight, and Teddy Bridgewater threw a two yard drag route. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it reminded me of that like you're throwing it to a blanketed receiver who's three yards short of the sticks, like. Take He's a not going like, to get past coverage, man. Come like, on. Like, I was going to say, like, if you're going to throw it into coverage, at least throw it beyond the sticks. Like, give yourself a chance. I think yeah. the biggest play on that last drive was the Jalen Virgil one. That was easily the most catchable ball. That it was, I believe, was that the one where he was literally on his knees? He was on his knees yeah. and, and it and was right between the ones. Yep, and, and, and it looked like it just good. bounced off of his pads. Yeah. And it was just... Yeah. Catching with your body, not your hands. That's receiving one on one. Because he's a he's a great player. Of course, he made the huge play earlier in the game with the kickoff return, which was awesome. By the way, uh, had everyone on their feet except uh, the announcers, who were extremely boring. By the way, you didn't get to hear that during <laughs> at, at the game, but uh, yeah, the announcers on TV were they were terrible. I don't doubt it. Well, any any quick thoughts before we go to our first break, fellas? 
Looking ahead to yeah. Elon expectations. I can't wait for Elon, man. I was about to say, yeah. we have beat them, for those of you that don't know, we have beat Elon 18 times in a row. So... Let's continue that. I've got to say, I'm not too worried about it. We should go out there and do what we're supposed to do. I have a feeling we will just absolutely obliterate them. Um, Yeah, I mean, I hope that's not a have to knock on wood situation, but we are doing it here in the studio. Uh, Yeah, Camp Peoples will probably rush for 150 and like three touchdowns. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And hopefully hopefully not have to play the fourth quarter. Valid. (sighs) Yeah, hopefully this will not. We can see some of those running backs come off the bench a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would like to see Huseman action. I would like to see some of our younger guys. Anyways, you're listening to Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, right here on 90.5 WASU. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, still talking college football and a whole lot of other stuff. Alum serving since 1950. For more information or legal services, you can contact Eggers Law Firm at 828-264-3601. People, they make up one of the top industries in Watonga County. Locals that call this special place home. Visitors who frequently escape to our beauty. Students who come here to learn. Alongside App Healthcare, the Boone and Blowing Rock Chambers of Commerce and Appalachian State ask you to show your love for all who walk our streets by practicing the three W's. Wear a face covering, wash your hands, and wait six feet from others. Show your love, and together we can keep Watauga County safe and open for everyone. It's that time of the year for gear that is warm and comfortable during the winter. Regear Outdoors is Boone's consignment shop for outdoor equipment and clothing. As the high country shifts into colder temps, Regear has snow boots, hiking gear, warm clothing, and other winter accessories. Regear is open seven days a week and would love to answer questions about winter gear and equipment. Regear thanks you for wearing a mask and spreading compassion to provide a safe shopping environment for all. Regear Outdoors is located below the SRC and next to the River Street Alehouse. Eggers Law Firm is a full-service law firm right in the heart of Boone on King Street that attends to matters from business to traffic. They focus on legal services to Watauga County and are fourth-generation Apple alum serving since 1950. For more information or legal services, you can contact Eggers Law Firm at 828-264-3601. What's up, App Nation? This is Brandon Dixon, Morning News Anchor with Family Life Network, and you're listening to Sports Wrap on 90.5 The App, Boone's source for sports. Hello, hello. Happy Tuesday. Oh, I've got the weather pulled up right now. I know it feels good outside. Um, so go out, go out there and get outside. But uh, you're listening to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU-FM. Ben Cole here in the George G. Beasley Media Complex. Joined with me, Matt Schweikert, Chris Affolder, Jeff Marson. We are dissecting that App Miami game. That's what we just got done doing. Um, I'm sorry if you missed that, but if you did, we will have this episode uploaded to Spotify and the WASU Radio website. But moving on from that, um, guys, rest of week two in college football was... Uh, was interesting to say the least. Week one definitely had some, you know, a lot of crazy stuff happen. But week two also also had some storylines. Um, real quick, just a couple of things I noticed. Texas got slaughtered, and and the reason I bring this up is because I mentioned it a couple <laughs> weeks ago on the show. <laughs> I said, you know, this Texas team. I actually picked Louisiana to beat them, which I realized was probably a little. I was too ahead of myself, but I did not think this Texas team was all they were 
built up to be. They never are. And they never are. And and that's They're what like the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, how many times have we said Texas is back in the last five years? I haven't. Well, because, yeah, it's like. Or, how, or let me. The, the let me nation. Like, how many times has ESPN said it? Yeah. Um, so, five, once a year for the last five years. <laughs> yeah, Texas got slaughtered by a mediocre SEC team, um, Arkansas. I mean, when. When have you heard of Arkansas football about being having a reputation? Probably and, about 2007, yeah. 2008. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to be fair to Arkansas real quick before we go back to making fun of Texas. <laughs> okay. I mean, I love, like, every, I know y'all can't see me, but I, like, I've been flashing the horns down thing. Uh, to be fair to Arkansas, I was reading an article, I think it was on The Athletic, talking about their roster. So even though Chad Morris was, like, historically bad at winning games, he was actually a pretty good recruiter. Um, Put together, I think a couple. I think it was a couple of top twenty, top twenty-five recruiting classes. So to be fair, this Arkansas roster is a lot more talented than their record over the last couple of years. Anyway, that said, everyone bought into the Texas hype again. They don't have a quarterback. Who knows if Sark is the right man for the job? We've been asking that about their last like four coaches. <laughs> um, but I will say, like I think this, I think this Arkansas team's a lot better than people are giving them credit for. I, I think Sam Bit- Sam Pittman's a pretty good coach. I think, I think it's an Arkansas team that could surprise some people, give some of those heavyweights in the SEC a good run for their money. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, so we were uh, in the rundown you sent us. Uh, we were going to talk about how Texas is moving to the SEC in. I was about to say, what does this mean for them and that SEC move that they're planning on doing? I think it's still too early to tell, but. This this definitely can't be good for Texas to lose to a mediocre SEC team. It'd be, you know, we've talked about before how App State could look at maybe joining the ACC. I don't know how realistic that is, but it's just something. It's a pipe dream that we've thrown out there before. I think it would be the same kind of thing. Like we would have all the hype. We've beaten some good SEC or decent SEC and ACC teams before, but then when we get there, we'd be like a six and six team tops. We yeah. would honestly probably be Duke in the ACC. Like, if we're being completely well, sure. real. No. Duke. Well, yeah, that's Duke, yeah. Like, there that, are... like, it's not a great comparison because Texas has money. Right. And yeah. That's the only reason and, this move's being made. Yeah, they have money and still, for the most part, recruits their socks off. So, fair. And, uh, I mean, Texas can't even recruit in the state of Texas, which is where, you know, all the talent is. For example, Quinn Ewers, who is probably the best quarterback prospect ever, I think he committed last year. He's now on Ohio State, not Texas or Texas A&M. But um, yeah, Texas got a lot to work, a lot of work to do if they want to compete in the SEC. Said their recruiting's got to be better, their coaching's got to be better. They they just got to put put a good team out on the field for once. And uh, I mean, the hardest thing to do is find a quarterback, and that's they had a pretty good one this past past few years with Sam Ellinger, but. Yeah, man. Finding a quarterback's not always easy, and yeah. that's what they're going to have to do if they want to compete in the SEC at any point. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think they're kind of like in the Nebraska or Tennessee zone because those are two teams that like there isn't much talent in state for them to recruit anymore. So that kind of puts them at an inherent disadvantage. Like Texas, there's no good reason why Texas shouldn't be good. Yeah, like, Texas that, is like known like, for its. Yeah, they have they have access. <laughs> they have access to maybe the best high school talent in the country, like and Austin is centrally located, so like they have access to basically anybody they they should be able to get anybody they want in terms of recruits in Texas. They should be able to get any coach that they want. Like 
They have so much money and so many resources. There's no reason why they shouldn't be one of the best teams in the country. Well, tell me if these past few coaches you've seen, would you want to coach for Texas right now? Yeah, that's the problem. Other than other than for the money? Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough job because there's so many expectations. Exactly. And then yeah, like Matt said, do you have that you know, just competing recruiting process in the big old state of Texas. Um, speaking of that real quick, I mean, that just reminded me because one of the things I was going to touch on was, you know, more top teams scraping by. I went on my big preseason rankings rant last last week and why I think they're not that important. And uh, this week saw some more top teams scraping by. And speaking of which, Texas A&M, one of those teams, what did they 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 won 10, by less seven. than a yeah ten, ten seven, seven against Colorado yeah against Colorado yes. and you know no hate on that Colorado team or anything They're pretty good. yeah no they are yeah. um but you know you're the top five team in the country uh, I think you should be winning by more than a field goal uh, they were on the road I believe but technically you know, neutral site but yeah. oh, well, I mean oh that's and, right yeah I mean I didn't it, yeah and Hayes King got hurt and I think he's gonna be out for a few weeks so a while yeah yeah they are they could be in trouble I think once again I mean once again we're kind of underestimating how difficult it is for some of these teams to move on from from quarterbacks like say what you want about Kellen Mond but he was you know he was a consistent presence in that program even if he wasn't the most consistent player on the field like I think we kind of think we kind of overlooked um the succession plan for for them at quarterback play because as we said with App State like it all comes down to quarterback play Mm -hmm. it's true it's just game managing right facilitating everything right and now they're on a backup quarterback as they're a week or two away from SEC play. So, yeah, it, things could, could go poorly for them in a hurry. Yeah, just looking at their schedule, Haynes King is um, possibly missing four to seven weeks. So those four games, New Mexico, that's a pushover. Arkansas, which will be think that's no tougher, tougher than they think. Mississippi State, who just blew out NC State to my pleasure. And then <laughs> Alabama, of course. And all of those games somehow are at home. Which is nice, but yeah, I think the, I think the thing I I think last thing I last update I read was they're hoping Hayes King will be back for the Alabama game. Yeah. Hoping that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I think I think like Jimbo Fisher was saying like mid season roughly, so Alabama would be roughly. I, I don't know. We'll Un- see. Unrelated note, but how did Texas A&M get away with a schedule of only three true road games? Yeah, that does not make <laughs> the sense to me. entire year, <laughs> they play three true road games, and they're all conference games. That's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess there technically aren't any like real scheduling rules for uh, non-conference games. So if you get the, the neutral site games and then steal an extra home game. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting piece. Um, moving on, I guess, unless you guys have anything else on this Texas situation. Um, Oregon, Oregon took down Ohio State. Uh, this past weekend, that was a three twelve matchup, I believe. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that was an interesting game, entertaining. Uh, you know, Ohio State has been one of these powerhouses in the past, probably the m- most realistic candidate to make it into the playoff, especially out of the Big Ten. Uh, but going off of this game, I mean, is Oregon back? Because Oregon has kind of been in this long rebuildish process uh, as they've been cycling through coaches and whatnot. And quarterbacks. They, and quarterbacks. I mean, uh, can I just clarify? They have one back-to-back Pac-12 championships. I know, but we're talking like Oregon standards. Yeah, I mean, when, national contenders. Yeah, yeah national contenders. Um, no, yeah, I wasn't trying to discredit them. Uh, but the Oregon we're used to seeing. Do you think they're back? Do you think Ohio State's not as good this year? What, what are your takeaways from that game? 
Uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> um, Oregon, this is this is not the same Oregon team, but you're used to seeing. But they are very good because uh, they have they've changed their identity under under their new coach Mario Cristobal. Um, they're more physical on defense. They're much stronger on defense. You know, they don't. And on offense, they're not trying to you know spread it spread you out and beat you with speed. But um, that's what they did against Ohio State. Um, Oregon, this team, I think is is legit. After I, you know, we kind of kind of trashed them last week for you know competing against Fresno State at home, but uh, they showed themselves to to be for real. And again, that win was with their two best players. I think not even, let alone on defense, but on the entire team, um, with Kayvon Thibodeau and Justin Flo out. So um, that was a really impressive win for Oregon. Um, I said last week that they have to win this game to to have a chance at the playoff, and uh, their chances are looking pretty strong if they can run the table the rest of the way. Yeah, they certainly delivered in that game, but uh, I'm like you were saying, Jeff, I think this is more Oregon being back than Ohio State not being as good, but once again, it's week two. It's way too early in the season to actually determine anything, but uh, I think we'll, we'll be ready to make the call if whether or not Ohio State sucks uh, <laughs> after they play Indiana. I'm I'm not quite ready to make the Ohio State sucks call. Um, <laughs> that was a that was a bit. Yeah, hey, that's just what I wrote in my but notes. Like, uh, I'm just, <laughs> but but I am I mean I am comfortable saying their defense sucks. Uh, yeah, like, that's fair. Like they gained they had over 600 yards of offense and never had the lead. Like I think this Ohio State defense is just straight up bad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can see like, that. And and there's no there's no Chase Young on this defense. There's no Jeff Okuda on this te- on this defense. Like. I think the offense is ad, is as advertised and is the the kind of offense you're used to seeing with Ohio State. But I like I think this is just a straight up bad defense, and I don't think it's good enough to win the Big Ten. Uh, uh, yeah, one quick stat: um, Ohio State gave up 269 yards on the ground alone, and, yeah. and 236 Verdell. through the air. Yeah, CJ Verdell is a playmaker. I was about to see is. Yeah, Verdell had 161 yards on 20 carries, two touchdowns. But yeah, I mean, Matt, you hit the nail on the head there. It's the defense. It's yeah. a definitely a one-sided problem. CJ Stroud, uh, I mean, he's made some mistakes early on, but for the most part, been solid. Been uh, managing this Ohio State offense. Had 484 yards to the air, lost three the touchdowns, and lost <laughs> the game. Yeah. I mean, it's and remember they gave up some Devin they Booker gave, vibes. Well, yeah, remember, <laughs> they gave up some big plays to Minnesota too. Like they like Minnesota put a pretty good and scare into them. And that's what I was saying last week. And you know, fools on us. We all picked Ohio State to win this game. Even I did. But I was saying I was like I don't know because yeah. and the main reason I picked Ohio State is just because of that Oregon Fresno State game. <laughs> and Oregon was at home, so I was like Ohio State at home against a team that just scraped by against Fresno State, even though I think the Buckeyes are a little shaky this season. You know, I can't pick against them, but silly me. I mean... <laughs> they got to change their scheme defensively. They I, ca- they cannot keep running that much man coverage. Mm-mm. No, they got torched. They're, yeah. Like, and, and, the, and yeah, you. sorry, real quick. Speed, I, I can't remember who mentioned it, but I mean, oh my God, Oregon, kudos to them for just exploiting this, the same problems. I mean, they would run that stretcher pitch play all the time and just win yeah. the battle on the outside. They would just win the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one of my best friends from back home, he goes to Ohio State, and he missed one of Oregon's touchdown plays uh, during the game, and I texted him and told him that Oregon scored. And he said, we were in man coverage, weren't we? Yeah. And, I said, yeah and I said, yeah, 100%. Like, the Ohio State, like, everyone except the coaching staff knows how ineffective their defensive scheme is, it seems like. They, like they've got to make some coaching adjustments. I'd like to say Notre Dame has the same problem. Uh, they gave up 
what was it, like 27, 25, something like that, points to Toledo of all places. I almost forgot about that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was on Peacock. Nobody saw it. Yeah, I grew up rooting (laughs) for the Irish, uh, so this is something that I'm used to seeing is them they're like the Cowboys in Texas too. Every year's their year, but they always end up at least they choking. The pl- at least they've made the playoff a couple times. Yeah, made the playoff and then gotten blown <laughs> I was about out to in the say, first round. It only it, it doesn't even help them because yeah, it's just like look, we told you I, if yeah, you I got mean, into the playoff, you'd get killed. Yeah, I mean, but Texas loses to Kansas before they get to that point, so like you know, <laughs> pick, your, yeah. pick your poison. <laughs> yeah, and then they also gave up thirty-eight points to Florida State in Week One. Another kind of. Mid-tier ACC yeah, team, and you're telling me I was. was I we'll thought it was funny that I was about to say. Yeah. I, well, no, we, we'll get to it now because that's funny. You said you grew up an Irish fan. Both my parents went to Florida State. I went. I'm a diehard Florida State fan. Um, Sorry. Yeah, week one hurt. <laughs> hey, at least you got basketball. <laughs> I know, and it's funny because it used to be the other way around. I mean, yeah, I would be ecstatic if we made the NCAA tournament, but now it's like... Yeah, that was how it was for Carolina fans and even until, though, the, until the Virginia Tech game. And Yeah, and I'm not even going to make this a basketball conversation, but the one year FSU probably had the best chance to win the national championship in basketball was COVID year, and they canceled the tournament. We were going to be like a one seed, so awesome. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I was over here thinking Florida State might genuinely be back because of that Notre Dame game. And then, well, just problems on our coaching. I don't know why after that we decided to go back to Jordan Travis and not play Mackenzie Milton against Jacksonville State University at home. And then we don't even score more than 17 points, a team we were favored by four touchdowns. And then not to mention, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the last play. I'm sure Cover you zero did. on a Hail Mary? Yeah, what in the world? <laughs> what in the world? I mean, oh, my goodness. So I don't know if that's just, you know, portrays bad light on FSU. I mean, I think it's both, but makes Notre Dame not look as good as they are. But uh, how did Notre Jacksonville State... Good. Yeah. I think it, I think it might end up being like that Notre Dame-Texas game from, what was it, I think 2016, where, like, where Texas beat them in, what was it, like double or triple overtime, and everyone's yep. going, Texas is back! Texas <laughs> is back! And then they both just sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, like I've been to one Notre Dame football game in my life, and I had the unfortunate, uh, I guess, fortune of going in that year when they sucked. I watched them play Navy in Jacksonville, Florida, <laughs> and they got their butts kicked. It was... Uh. Pain. Everybody's chanting "Fire Kelly!" Like, oh my stands. goodness! Yeah. Yeah, Florida State, oh, man. They got, they, <laughs> like, I mean, they, they, they just got a, they've got a lot to work. Mike Norvell's not the guy. I was gonna say, how long? I are, didn't like, think you. And no, real quick, because this is a big rant as a Florida State fan. The one bright spot in the Taggart era, and Taggart was a terrible hire. Awful. He was, he was only looked good at Oregon because of they already had guy recruits and coaching staff from before he got in. That's the only reason. It's kind of like... I didn't like, even think he looked that good at Oregon. And he didn't. Yeah. And he didn't. I was like, why did we rush this hire? But anyways, the one bright spot under Taggart was Bryles, our offensive coordinator. He really started... Our offense genuinely started to look better at the end of the year because Taggart was the one doing the play calling. And then we switched that to Bryles and our offense finally started to look good at the end of last season. Then we get rid of him after we get Norvell. And now I'm like, it's back to, we can't score more than 17 against Jacksonville State? <laughs> like, what in the world? I think, um, I think I saw something like, Mike Norvell, I think he has to go like 6-4 and four the rest of the season to have a better record than Willie Taggart. Yeah, and that's and insane. Willie, and Willie Taggart got fired in less than two years. So like, they, 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 Our boosters paid, to, bought out his contract. That's how yeah. much we wanted him oh out. My God. Like, like, are we about to have like... Florida State and USC open at the same time. Like, it's going to be awesome. Uh, two more Florida State notes. I'm sure you were pleased to see uh, James Blackman for Arkansas State throw for 306 yards and four touchdowns in relief against Memphis. They did lose, but 
Uh, that was pretty good. And uh, one of your linemen, Brady Scott, um, proposed to his girlfriend yeah. after the game as Jacksonville State was <laughs> celebrating on the field. So and congratulations that's, to him. That's not a good look. It's not a good look, but to be fair, he probably had the fam buy tickets, oh. had them coming yeah. down. They were like, oh, we're not losing. This we're playing Jacksonville win. State. Yeah. yeah, we're favored by four touchdowns. <laughs> It'll be a great <laughs> weekend. Uh but anyways, hey, knowing Florida State, they're just going to beat Carolina again, and then Norvell's going to get his job. Yeah. Like he's going to save his job. That's exactly what's going to happen because that would be simultaneously the most Florida State of the last five years thing to happen. No, we will lose, and it would also be the most Carolina football thing to ever happen. Mm, just depressing. Um, real quick, let's just <laughs> let's just get in. There's not a whole lot of uh, big matchups this weekend. There are three ranked games. Two of them were highlight, and I want us to pick who we think we're going to win. Uh, pick them, but uh, Alabama taking on Florida. It's uh, in the swamp. Not that that really means a whole lot when the Crimson Tide are playing, but thoughts on this game, folks? Uh, I think Florida's looked pretty good these past couple weeks, you know, getting back into rhythm. Uh, new quarterbacks, Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, they still got to figure out, you know, who's their guy there. But Well, Anthony Richardson's hurt, so it's going to be Jones for a while. That, that works. <laughs> Alabama's still going to win by... Uh, I won't put a margin on it because I did it on the Ohio State game <laughs> and I sound even more like an idiot than I did. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty hard to go against Alabama here. But uh, Florida, like you said, probably put up a decent fight, I think. I will put a margin on this one just because it's my first uh, time on Sports Rap this season and uh, I got I to gotta inaugurate it somehow. So I'm going to say Alabama's going to win by 17 points. Like Clock it in. I haven't. I, mean, I haven't watched much of Florida this year, but just based off of their fan base on Twitter, their fan base is really not pleased with Dan Mullen right now because they don't like Emory Jones, um, and they did struggle for a bit. I think they played what FAU and USF maybe. Yeah, no yeah. real matchups yeah. so far. But they had like they've had a little bit more trouble than they probably should have. Um, so even though it's in the swamp, it's gonna be Alabama. It's not going to be close. I'm not going to put an exact margin on it, but it's going to be the typical game where we're like, wait, why were we trying to poke holes in Alabama again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Florida gave up 20 to South Florida last week uh, on the road. They still won by 22, but still. And, and it's Alabama. And if it was a year where, you know, because some other top teams have looked shaky so far. If it was one of those years, maybe, maybe. But Alabama just looks solid so far. Another, another fine job by them. So I'm going with Alabama, too. I don't think it's a week to pick an upset uh, aside from that, Auburn-Penn State, that one is a little more interesting. Penn State's 10th, Auburn's 22nd or something like that, I believe, 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, 22nd. Yeah. So what do you guys think about that game? Wow, Auburn's offense has looked electric so far. 60 points and 62 points in, in their two games. <laughs> wow, they, they must be uh, killing the game. Uh, they played Akron. And Alabama yeah, legendary State, fo- <laughs> legendary, <laughs> legendary football. It's, it's the right there, it's folks. the annual it's the annual Bo Nix Fool's yeah, Gold. <laughs> I mean, I've never been in on Bo Nix ever, and I'm gonna stick that way. Uh, I think I gave a little disrespect to Penn State early on in the season, but uh, they turned it around at the end of last year, and uh, they're gonna continue. They're they're a little hot streak they got going. Plus, it's a whiteout game. You know, the the crowd's gonna be nuts, hundred thousand plus. I gotta take Penn State. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Penn State too. Uh, they did not look good on third down against Wisconsin, but uh, if they can clean some of these mistakes up, I mean, seven penalties for 79 yards, uh, only possessed the ball for less than 18 minutes in that game. So if they can clean that up, uh, then I don't see why they're not gonna beat Auburn. I watched almost all of that 
Penn State Wisconsin game. I regret it because it was a horribly played football game. Big <laughs> um, ten for you. Yeah, I think it was. Wasn't it like zero? I think it was scoreless at halftime. It was horrible. It was. Um, but anyway, my point is, Penn State's defense, act, like despite the stats you just put up, right? Their defense was really, really good in that game. Mm-hmm. Again, that's the stats versus the eye test. For yes. But also, like, Wisconsin played very poorly. Yes. Aside from the running game, they yes. were they they were one dimensional. But, but the point is, is that defense walked into a packed out Camp Randall week one and dominated Wisconsin. Uh, time of possession says otherwise, but <laughs> I, I mean their de- their defense was. Really, really good. Right, you can't, you can't just go out time well, Yeah, I was a, for even longer. I was just like, that's also like the just the way Wisconsin plays. Like that's yeah, that's true. Clock. Like that, yeah, that's just what Wisconsin does. But anyway, that defense looked really, really good. Like Jeff Jeff said, he's never been in on Bo Nix. I have really never been in on Bo Nix. I still remember there like him and Sam Howell are the same year. I still remember having arguments with people between <laughs> who was better. I can't, can't believe I ever had those arguments. Can't believe people. Oh my yeah. god. Um, but anyway, I don't trust Bo Nix going into Happy Valley. Um, especially with the whiteout game. So, yeah, I think it's going to be Penn State. I think that defense is going to have a really fun night. Fair, fair. I think all of these are valid points. I will, I, and I agree with the Bo Nix statements, too. I'm, I don't think he's all like that. But, but I am going to play devil's advocate here. Um, I was planning on picking Auburn anyways. I'm locking it in, typing it into the dock right now. But I think this is just going to be a true test of conference football i think i'm not even looking so much as the auburn versus penn state i'm looking at the fact that it's an sec versus big 10 matchup mm-hmm. <laughs> and even though penn state is at home there were there were some things that r- raised some eyebrows and some red flags in that wisconsin game yeah sean clifford kind of stinks too yeah and i just <laughs> i just think an elite quarter yeah no this might be like a 10-7 game yeah and that's another <laughs> thing i really don't know how to assess this auburn team yet either because of their kind of weakish first two week opponents but i i just think that i do think this is gonna be a fun one and i i think auburn's gonna find a way to win it uh we'll see what happens anyways we don't have a whole lot of time left so we'll just go ahead and change gears still gonna be talking football but week one of the nfl wrapped up this past weekend um trevor lawrence had his debut where he threw three touchdowns and three interceptions we'll get into that Uh, pre-lasic Jameis. oh yeah tom brady uh age 44 leads another game-winning drive under two minutes against the the dallas cowboys Mm -hmm. um you know i don't know what that means for the bucks this year joe burrow his his debut back uh from from injury was uh exciting to say the least i think he went like 20 for 27 and you know had a Couple of touchdowns to go with that. Bengals won in overtime. LASIK Jameis. Right. Uh, and then yeah, but anyways, general takeaways from week one week one boys. Well, you know it's week one because the Texans are leading their division and <laughs> and no one in the NFC North has won a game. So um, Cooper, we want the smoke Dol- if you're listening. Dol- Dolphins are leading the, the AFC East too. Yeah. Um uh, a rough week for for the fellas up north. But um general takeaways, uh I mostly watched the Panthers game, so, um, I mean, they looked all right. They played the Jets. I think Zach Wilson looked good. He was just under pressure the yeah. entire game. Yeah. So, um, Dude, Brian Burns is Brian Burns is a beast. Good. A beast. <laughs> but, yeah, Zach Wilson, I think he's the quarterback of the future. That's their answer there in New York. Um, looking elsewhere, that Cleveland-Kansas City game was very fun. Um, and, yeah, that – the Green Bay New Orleans game was quite quite an outlier. Mentioned Jameis Winston. It was the fewest 
passing yards on a five touchdown game. Like, how do you even have 148 yards and five touchdowns? And like, he threw for 148 yards and outplayed the reigning MVP. Exactly. Like, imagine just telling somebody that. Uh, and beat him by 35. Yeah. <laughs> he only threw 20 passes. So that means 25% of his passes were for a touchdown. That's exactly. insane. Not to mention real quick, um, Jeff, you were just talking about, or remember last week when I mentioned the Aaron Rodgers thing? I was right. like, this year, I mean, obviously it's Aaron Rodgers, but he just made a big deal out of, a, out of his contract, and I feel like this is a big year of expectations, and he goes out and gets uh, a he's murder. He's there's, sabotaging his own There's two picks in, like, himself. three passes. Yeah. Uh Ooh, but yeah, LASIK Jameis. Yeah, also their offensive line kind of stinks. No, it, it is valid. There are, ob- there are other problems, but I was you know saying this is a year where Aaron Rodgers they, they need mm-hmm. to do something as a team as a collective. Mm-hmm. But uh, LASIK Jameis, I mean, I was hoping as a Florida State fan he would be back after that surgery, and I don't know. Obviously, it's just one game, but <laughs> he torched that Green Bay defense, and his throws were on the money. Like, yeah, he didn't throw a lot of ball, didn't throw a lot of passes, and. um didn't have a whole lot of passing yards, but the throws he made were good. You know, he had a 40-yard touchdown that was on the money. Um, so that's I think that bodes well for New Orleans, and I'm glad they decided to go with him week one. I think you need a true quarterback in the pocket. Yeah, Taysom Hill would not. Be no, able to I was gonna say I would rather do deal with the Jameis discourse than the Taysom Hill discourse. Yes. Like I, in the what was it, the two games that Taysom Hill started last year? I got so sick of those conversations. <laughs> um, but yeah, other things. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I know. A lot of people, I guess we can talk about that. He had his debut. Uh, obviously, the Jaguars are a mess in of themselves. But just looking at Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I I've, I obviously think he's good and all that. But I And I'm not even saying he's overrated. What I'm saying is the way they were talking about him coming out of Clemson, they were acting like he's going to be the next, like, literally GOAT. And yeah. I was like, look at the metrics. He doesn't even rank number one in a lot of these advanced passer rating categories. So I'm just like, where is this coming from? And then, I don't know, he goes out and throws three picks in his debut. It just kind of made me grin a little bit. I was like, ah, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what were you guys' thoughts on his on his uh, week one? Um, well, inconsistency, like you said. Um, he was playing from behind the entire time, so I think that might have played a part. He had to throw the ball 51 times. 51? Yeah, in that game. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like interceptions are going to be part of that process if you get down so fast. I mean, Jaguars' defense couldn't stop the the electric Houston Texans' offense led by Tyrod Tyron Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> Virginia Tech legend. Yeah, that's right. But um, <laughs> I think Trevor Lawrence will be fine. He just needs a, he needs a running game for one. That is valid. They they threw the ball too many times. You can't throw a rookie right. quarterback into yeah. that mess. Yet another yet another team with a horrible offensive line. Yep, they're going to definitely need to make some improvements up yeah. front. Uh, he got hit four times and sacked once in that game. Yeah, him and Joe, him and Joe Burrow need to start a support group for yeah. for young quarterbacks that don't have offensive lines. And speaking of Joe Burrow, uh, one thing uh, that I wanted to talk about is the Washington defense. Uh, sorry, that was a kind of a bad segue. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what did that have to do with Joe Burrow? <laughs> I mean, they destroyed they, his rookie season, but... Um, they got beat by uh, Justin Herbert. Yeah, um... <laughs> So I, I remember reading an article uh, just before the season started, uh, I think it was in CBS Sports, uh, projecting the Washington defense uh, possibly being one of the better defenses in the NFL. They certainly did not show that against the Chargers. And obviously when you give up more points than you can score, it's not going to bode well for your season. Yeah, Taylor Heineke time. Yeah, I hope it's Heineke time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all valid. 
Looking at week two, Anna, any expectations, matchups you're excited? Oh, real quick, real quick, because I almost forgot. Just Giants rant. I First of all, I'm not even going to get into it because I've talked about it previously, but the pick for Daniel Jones was so bad for a number of reasons, but the main thing is you're stuck. You pass up on better draft picks now and better quarterbacks and other draft classes because you're trying to count on this guy. Haskins. Yeah. I know. Haskins. Also, you drafted a running back with the second pick in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we doing? I mean, Gettleman, and it's funny, too, because I'm all over the place with this rant, but Gettleman came in and he was like, we need to have a good offensive line. We need to have a good offensive line. Well, guess what? We still don't. <laughs> Andrew we still Thomas. Don't. And you've been here for how long now? Um, the pick for Daniel Jones made no sense. It's like you get a guy that is below average in all of these metrics, and, it, and then exactly like, I just said you pass up on better quarterbacks in future draft class because you're trying to put your eggs in this basket and hope it works out. He's showing no, he's showing no signs. A big stat is yards um, per uh, attempt or you know completion yeah. and that you know margin from going from college to the pros. And it's so rare that quarterbacks improve in that or mm-hmm. you know even stay the same. And his has fallen so much. It's just so many things. I uh, don't understand that pick at all. It hurts being a Giants fan. We lose at home against the Broncos. Hey, it hurts being a Teddy Washington too fan, too. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what to say. It's just another year where it's... You guys see that meme? <laughs> at least you guys with, have a name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys see that meme, though, with our offensive line? And uh, I can't remember. I think it was our right tackle, but he was blocking our running back. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, at least he's blocking somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm just going to say, as a Panthers fan, watching Dave Gettleman run somebody else's team into the ground is is a sight to behold. Yeah. I love it. I am so glad that that is not my problem anymore. Yeah. The, I mean... To be fair to Daniel Jones, I'm going to defend a, a Duke guy here. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. wow. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, he's not good. I'll say that. <laughs> he's but, fumbled uh, the he, ball, what, like 30-something times? Yeah, he, had, he had no running game against Denver because, I mean, they, they have a very good run defense. And, uh, I mean, he... Okay, this isn't defending him at all, but he's got all the pieces around him to, to, to work with. He's got Kenny Galladay. He's got Sterling Shepard. He's got Kadarius Toney now. And then Saquon Barkley as well, if you want to use him out of the backfield. But... Man, Daniel Jones got some got some things to work out if he wants to stay employed past his rookie contract. He's got some things to work on if he wants to stay employed past this year. Yeah. Like, if the Giants are that bad, which, like, it's not the easiest thing to do to be the worst team in the NFC East. Nah. <laughs> no. Um, but, no, like, yeah, that team has a lot of problems. And, uh, again, yet another young quarterback that does not have an offensive line. Yeah, and and that is a big factor. And, that, and that's my biggest thing with this. It's, like, why... Gettleman, you came in here and you preached needing an offensive line and fixing that. And obviously, yeah, he didn't do it with the Panthers either. No, it's like what? I mean, I'm at a loss of words. Uh, as we wind down to the end of the show, before we get into our shoutouts, any any other general thoughts on NFL Week One or looking ahead to Week Two, boys? We didn't talk at all about the the Monday night game last night. Oh, which was that is valid. Yes, absolutely awesome. That was it was awesome. All the the back and forth action. Derek Carr threw for like four hundred thirty five yards, and then the ECU Raven. ECU yeah. legend Zay Jones yeah. with the, the game winner. <laughs> and the great yeah. great tribute to Greg Williams throwing a, a zero blitz on the <laughs> the game winning touchdown in overtime. Um, thought it. <laughs> Yeah, that game was a lot of fun to watch with with all the the twists and turns at the very end there. I also just want to say from a media perspective, 
the Manning telecast was <laughs> I was about to awesome. mention that. Uh, yeah, the Manning broadcast on Monday Night Football was cool. Yeah, I, that's, I didn't get to see it, but I got to see the memes of Peyton wearing that stupid helmet. It, was, <laughs> it just looked Travis hilarious. Kelsey swore on national television. That was fun. Oh. <laughs> Russell Wilson, I thought, was great. Yeah, when they had him, he's pretty in, like, personable. Yeah, he's he's gonna make a great and a great coach or a great analyst when he retires. Yeah, I just want to say, yeah, shout out to that because that was. No, yeah, they I'm were, glad they did that because that was an awesome broadcast. They were for sure entertaining, and that was a crazy game. Um, I'm sure we'll get into Lamar Jackson talk as the season keeps going because I know everyone has expectations for him. Um, But with that being said, let's get to our shout-outs. All right, I guess I'll lead us off. Uh, First shout-out I want to give is to my grandma. I gave her one a couple weeks ago. But today's her birthday, so I wanted to make sure I gave her a shout-out today. So happy birthday to my grandma. Um, and shout-out to uh, Brandon Ayuk for ruining my fantasy week. <laughs> All right, I want to give a shout-out to my uh, fiancé up here in Boone. She's listening to the broadcast. Uh, my family back in Wilmington, family up in Virginia, and uh, i got some family in Massachusetts actually listening to the broadcast. So uh, shout-out to you guys. I don't have a personal one like that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, man. We didn't talk much about the Panthers. Shout out to Christian McCaffrey for doing literally everything. Yes. Uh, and to Sam Darnold for, at stretches, looking surprisingly confident. What happens when you get a Jets organization? Beat his former team. Um, I'll go, I don't have a personal one either, but I'll go local. Shout out to Kerry Eagleston, voted Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week for the App State soccer team. Having a heck of a season, had 20 saves against Wake Forest, which our own truly Matt Schweigert called on that one. He has been the voice of the soccer team but yeah shout out Kerry Eagleson and with that being said that's going to conclude your episode of Sports Wrap tonight have a wonderful Tuesday and come back at 6 o'clock on Thursday thank you well,